Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Yourself Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insight, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator of the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. Ayla, what is up? I am so excited. Last week, I was going through the motions, learning how to do things, but week two really resonated with me and I'm so excited to be able to talk about it today with you and with everyone else. Yeah, you had sent a message early on in the the week and I was really excited when you sent it because it seemed like this week has really changed some things or has implemented some things for you. So I'm definitely excited to get into the conversation. So week two is recovering a sense of identity. So last week we went over a sense of safety. We're moving into more um, what I think is like foundational of discovering who you are and where you want to go with that. It says this week addresses self-definition as a major component of creative recovery. You may find yourself drawing new boundaries and staking out new territories as your personal needs, desires, and interests announce themselves. The essays and tools are aimed at moving you into your personal identity, a self-defined you. This week was, for me, more personal in a sense that this kind of drove home the things that I've been working on with myself personally for a long time, actually. And when we get into it, there are a couple pages that are in there that resonate with me so much in the way that it tapped into the things that I've been trying to go through with therapy and trying to do some self-work on. It just reminded me of why I'm doing that work and why it's necessary because Julia mentions the fact that it's so important to have these types of boundaries and to understand and know when certain people, crazy makers is what she calls it, is just that and understanding that you have to push that energy away in order for you to be as creative as possible. So one this one was a good one but before we get into it we're gonna do our weekly check-in so the first question is how many days this week did you do your morning pages how was the experience for you jr i know you stumbled a little Uh, bit at first but what did you come out to i was struggling a little bit this week was a little weird because of work and planning for a meetup that i ended up having yesterday on saturday so the days were getting away from me Sometimes the morning pages turned into afternoon pages, so that way I could at least get something in there. But I ended up doing five out of seven days this week. So was able to get there, which I'm happy about. But I think this is also a good opportunity to show that not every week is going to be perfect. And that's okay. And how was the experience for you this week compared to last week? This week was good. I would say that the first week is a little bit more transformative than the second week. And I think that's just because I wasn't as consistent as I was in the first week. But 
there were still more things that I was learning about myself, especially going through the program for this week and talking about some things that had come up. It definitely has been helpful. I would say, honestly, week one was a little bit more stronger than week two, but still was able to get through it. Still was able to learn some stuff. So what about you? So I did seven out of seven. Oh, and I said good last week, I'm here. I'm so excited. <laughs> it was a lot better for me this week than last week. I think, again, like I mentioned at the beginning last week, it felt like I was going through the motions and discovering like what it was. And this week, I really connected with the morning pages. Usually like halfway through, I'm like, oh, my God, I still have halfway to go. And I'm tired of doing this and I want to be done. But this week, there was a few days where I didn't even write about that once like I just wrote all the way through and I had something to talk about all the way through and I think that was really cool but I also went back to week one and did what was recommended by Julia which was to buy a journal dedicated to morning pages whoa look at that so it's really cool the cover talks about like doing good work and it's a quote about how your work is important and then each page at the top has like a way you can circle the date and the day Oh, nice. That's cool. cool. And I think that also helped me become more connected to it because I was like, okay, like it feels like a cute little place to put everything. I'm excited to fill it all up. And I don't know. I really had a good time this week. I, I, like I said, I struggled some days, but I still got it done. And I, it was important to me to do seven out of seven. That's great. And I think that's really cool. The fact that you went out there, got the journal. It's dedicated to the morning pages. You're psyched about it. It's it's cool to see the transition from week one to week two and how that's all helping you in your life right now. So that's awesome. And like um, you said, I know every week isn't going to be perfect. So yeah. I'm celebrating. Hey, <laughs> number two is, did you do your artist date this week? What did you do and how did it feel? So Ayla, did you do it? Okay, so I didn't do it, but I'm going to do it today. And I think it still counts because technically we're at the end of week two. Yes, this is correct. And I could have done it yesterday, but I would have been shorter. And I was like, I don't want to rush it just to do it because that's not fair to my artist. And it feels a little bit like a like negating myself. And so I was like, on the podcast, I won't be able to say what I've done, but I will do it today. And I can talk about what I did next week. I was thinking about painting and that's been something I really wanted to do. And I didn't want to rush that whole process of it because it would, like I said, negate the whole idea of setting time aside for yourself. Right. Um, So I will do it and I'm planning on painting. Okay. I like that. <laughs> it I like- half counts, I think. But what did you do? I'm in the same boat. I love the fact that you ended up saying that, it's, it, that if you tried to rush it or tried to cram it in, that it wouldn't be fair to your artist. And that really spoke volumes to me because... I think we get to the end of the week to do the episode that we want to talk about everything that happened this week that if I didn't do it between day one and day six, then I failed. And I shouldn't think that way. It's seven days or Monday to Sunday. And yeah, so I haven't done it yet. Technically, I did a little bit of what I wanted to do yesterday at the meetup that I was at. So what I said last week is that I wanted to go out and take photos. So of course, it's still volunteer work I'm still doing stuff but I did end up taking photos yesterday of everybody who came out I took photos of the golf course that I've never been to before that had amazing views out in Purim so I really took the time to just stop and look at the scenery I took the time to just take it in and really take photos of the things that 
that meant a lot to me. In a way, I did it, but it's still not a dedicated day just for me. And I know that in the program, it says to, to do this for you and not to invite other people. I definitely still want to do it. I might, if I have the energy to do it this day, we're going to go out there and, and try to take some photos. That's where I'm at. The last question is, were there any other issues this week that you consider significant for your recovery? Describe them. Yeah, for me, the issues that came up was what I mentioned before, which was work and the meetup that I had. I just felt like I was spending more time focused on that than I was trying to do what was asked of for this week. So I was able to do it to a certain extent, but not to the ability that I think that I could have been if I wasn't focused on all that other stuff. But again, it's an example of when a week is not perfect and you're trying to do whatever it is that you can do to make sure that you're on top of things with the artist way. So I'm not too upset with myself about that, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely something that was real. And I think that a lot of people who are listening are probably going through the same thing. Don't beat yourself up. Try to do as much as you can because doing something is better than doing nothing. I share the sentiment. I think that for me, my battle is like putting off the artist date because I'm still holding on to the idea of I need to know what I'm going to do and I need to produce something good. And I don't let myself just explore. It's almost like art class when you're in elementary school, like you're learning how to do something and you just do it as you like right after you learn it. I need more time to figure out like what I'm going to do and I can't make something just to make something almost. And that's what's holding me back in that regard. And I have to do it then and force myself to get over that. Like I need to plan it ahead of time. But otherwise, I felt like it was a really great week. With that being said, how will we get into week two and what we ended up learning? Perfect. So we'll just go in order. And the first section is called Going Sane, which is an interesting, yeah. <laughs> if I see it because we have, society talks about going insane, but she kind of notes here that trusting our creativity is a new behavior and it's almost like returning to a sense of sanity. But in doing that, it feels like we're going crazy. <laughs> and so she talks about there's attacks that come either from our internal beliefs or from other people their judgment of us and how we can neutralize them once we recognize them as like a virus. And she talks about affirmations and how self-doubt can lure us into self-sabotage and to basically not let us do that by not sharing things with friends. And I think that is a really interesting concept because with this, like, it's so exciting to be doing something different and to see the change in yourself that you almost want to share with people because you're like, oh my gosh, this has been amazing. Let me tell you all about it. But I do love to hear that as a different perspective because for me, I'm like, in this kind of sense of recovery we're going through, like, while it's so fun to share, we're not yet protected enough to be able to take that judgment or that negative kind of feedback. Right. The scope that I got out of this section. What about you? Yeah, I ended up highlighting the going sane feels just like going crazy. I think that there is a sense of comfort in the craziness that happens, especially when it comes to trying to be a creative, trying to do multiple things or trying to learn something new. Going sane sometimes doesn't feel right, but is absolutely necessary for you to grow as a creative person. That's what gets you centered. 
So that was something that resonated with me a lot. And the last line in that chapter is, do not let your self-doubt turn into self-sabotage. And that's something that I've been struggling with for a long time. And I know we've talked about it on multiple occasions. This sense of self-doubt is what's stopping you from doing the thing that you want to do. And I think that it is also important to know, at least in this, because I'm such an oversharer, I will, I will share everything that I'm doing with people. But there have been situations where there was something that I was really passionate about and shared it with certain people. And there was doubts and naysayers and all that that made me not pursue certain things or not continue to do the thing that I wanted to do. So I think that there is some kind of importance with keeping things to yourself until you're absolutely ready to either show it off or feel comfortable enough that if I show you and you don't like it, that's okay. Definitely. And I think it was an interesting way to start this week because it reminds us that in going through this process and discovering about ourselves, we need to let that be a relationship with ourselves that we can celebrate. And obviously, like in doing our check-ins and talking about it, we can share to that extent. But I think in allowing yourself to be the validation that you need is a new kind of process for me too. And so I really enjoyed that. The next section is called Poisonous Playmates. And the first paragraph here says, creativity flourishes when we have a sense of safety and self-acceptance. Your artist, like a small child, is happiest when feeling a sense of security. I thought that was very interesting to, to read because there is truth in that. And the fact that having a sense of safety and self-acceptance is key for you to keep growing as a creative. And to protect that small child within you, that letting more people in into your space and into your circle and showing off these creative, whatever it may be, you need to make sure that you're surrounded by good people, if not to have those right boundaries in order to protect yourself. And she goes into that later on in the chapter as well. But I thought that was really interesting. A couple of things I have highlighted is that she says our recovery threatens those people that still have their creativity blocked and that in seeing us in our recovery, it can trigger something in them. And so she says that as long as we were blocked, we often felt that it was arrogance and self-will to speak of ourselves as creative artists. And that's something that really spoke to me because I always felt like I had the ability to be creative and that those were endeavors that I enjoyed, but that like to say that I was good at things unless I was Picasso would be bad. So she talks about we need to move through our fear and that often we have a sense of self-pity almost, which is really interesting. But she says, and this is what I have highlighted, is do not expect your blocked friends to applaud your recovery. And that like analogy is, I think, perfect in understanding how easy it would be to get judged and lose that excitement from people that don't get it, which is what I'm speaking to in the sense of how this kind of week has really spoken to me and allowed me to allow myself to validate the process and really think about, wow, I'm feeling great about this and I don't need other people to tell me that it's great to feel great about this. Yeah, there's a part in here that I highlighted for myself she says, we want to set aside time for our creative work, but we feel we should do something else instead. 
as block creatives, we focus not on our responsibilities to ourselves, but on our responsibilities to others. We tend to think such behavior makes us good people. It doesn't. It makes us frustrated people. And I highlighted that it makes us frustrated people in red. And I wrote a separate note on it saying that this makes me have resentment toward others. I felt like I was seen in that moment when I read that. I thought that, oh, she knows my life. <laughs> She's talking to me. I read it and I thought of you as well. (laughs) There has always just been the sense of selflessness that comes with me and feeling the need to do a whole bunch of stuff for other people and not necessarily for myself. But when I end up being in that environment, I just end up having resentment towards other people because I feel like I'm not getting the same back. Reading that, I just had to stop a little bit and just reflect on the fact that, you know, you can't. You can be selfless without it damaging yourself. That if you can really figure out that balance or set those boundaries that are necessary, you can, you can still have both. But that was something that really drove home to me. Yeah, I had that part highlighted as well. And the last part that stuck out to me is trust that you're on the right track, period. You are, period. And for me, I am someone that has battled with anxiety for many years. And that kind of kicks in and that's where I'm like, okay, is it supposed to be this way? Am I doing this wrong? And so reading that, I was like, okay, I just need to remind myself of that and go through the process as it comes and just be mindful of where I'm at each day and take it from there. That's beautiful. And the last part of that chapter that I have highlighted is your own healing is the greatest message of hope for others. And it's entirely true. If you go through your own healing throughout this process and throughout life, that is a beacon of hope for those who are around you. You don't need that validation from other people. You should be seeking it for yourself. And when you get to that point, I think you you just become a greater human being from there. I agree. And that really brings us to the section that stuck out to me the most. Literally wild section. It's called Crazy Makers. So she introduces an idea of individuals in your life called Crazy Makers. And she said it's a thing that us as creatives do to avoid being creative. And reading that, I'm like, okay, why would I avoid being creative? But I'm glad she's going to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so she says Crazy Makers are those personalities that create storm centers. They are often charismatic frequently charming, highly inventive, and powerly persuasive. And they are enormously destructive for the creative person in their vicinity. Crazy makers are the kind of people who take over your whole life. To fix our uppers, they are irresistible. So much to change and so many distractions. If you are involved with a crazy maker, you probably know it already. And I did know who mine was. I'm not going to name them, obviously. (laughs) But yeah. I was in awe of this because it. I took a second to sit back and think about their role in my life and the chaos that presents and how, in a way, I'm, I'm self-sabotaging by investing in that more than investing in my own journey. And I've never thought about it as that. But in putting it as in that perspective, I realize it takes up a lot of time and mental energy as well to deal with those things but I do continue to do them and so this week has really been instrumental in teaching me to reprioritize 
what I give my time to and establish those boundaries, which are really hard to do. I think you said it perfectly. And the fact that we do invest a lot of time into these other things instead of into ourselves and the fact that we allow that to happen is so crazy. And the way that she outlines it all in this chapter was wild because every section that she was explaining what a certain crazy maker would do or would identify as and I was slotting people in, the, in these paragraphs. Of, oh, yeah, that's this person. Oh, wait, that's this person. It was just, <laughs> uh, it was just a realization. Wow, this has been happening and I just didn't know what to call it. I just thought that th this was normal. And that's what going back to going sane feels like it's crazy. Being involved in all the crazy maker situation, you just think that's normal. That just happens. But really, yeah. it shouldn't. And I think to people like us that want to help others so much that we quickly let it take control and say that's obviously a bigger priority than me diving into my creativity. I share the sentiment of going through this week, every paragraph, I was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Towards the end of the section, she she includes quotes throughout and we've named a couple already, but. I actually wrote this one down so I could read every day. And it's whatever is whatever God's dream about man may be, it seems certain it cannot come true unless man cooperates. And for me, I was thinking about how opportunities come to you. And in learning about this chapter, we can choose to not pursue them even when it's right there in front of us because we're clouded. And following that, she says, as blocked creatives, we are willing to go to almost any lengths to remain blocked. And I was like, I don't want to remain blocked anymore, yeah. but it's crazy because it's true. <laughs> yeah. When I read that, I was just like, all right, you didn't have to, you don't have to put it out there like that. Jeez, come on now. <laughs> the other part there, a paragraph behind that was, if crazy makers are that destructive, what are we doing involved with them? The answer to be brief, but brutal is that we're that crazy ourselves and we are that self-destructive. Crazy. Wow. Insane. And in, in seeing that, you're like, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> so right, where Julia, did we relax. go from here? <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting as like week two to see how we build on this in the coming weeks. And I think that's really exciting on yeah. my end. And I think that it's interesting that it starts off in week two and this doesn't come up like week seven or week eight. I think that she's strategic about how she's building those blocks for us as being creatives. And you have to tackle this early on in the program for a reason. So the next section goes into skepticism and it talks about our secret doubt that we hold for ourselves. It does not seem to matter whether we are officially believers or agnostics. We have our doubts about all of the creator creativity stuff and those doubts are very powerful. Unless we air them, they can sabotage us. We need to stop doing that and explore them instead. And this whole section brought to mind kind of how you were speaking at the beginning of the episode, my overlap with therapy and the kind of work I'm doing to discover the sabotage that I do for myself and the work I'm doing to continue that process of growing. And it's cool to kind of work on this outside of therapy as well through the artist's way and see how connective everything is in, in your life. And so one thing I have highlighted here 
is that one of the things most worth noting in a creative recovery is our reluctance to take seriously the possibility that the universe just might be cooperating with our new and expanded plans. And related to the quote I mentioned before, for me, this week was a lot about diving into, do I really believe in myself in that way? And is it also my beliefs that is holding me back and not pushing that blame on other people? So looking at the self-doubt, and she talks about how it's necessary to examine those doubts, and it leads us into the next section, but I took this, which is a really quick section, and I revisited my blurts and dove back into that activity we were doing last week with seeing where they originated from. For me, I think I live in the space of skepticism, and I also had that highlighted as well for this chapter. Just the idea of just believing really at the end of the day, believing in yourself, believing in the fact that these things that are happening around you is happening for a reason, that things are coming to you for a reason. It's just one of these things where putting so much self-doubt is really detrimental to your growth and your progress. Something that I continue to have an issue with even to this day. And again, like this is a perfect example of all this is the fact that this is coming up in June of this year, we're doing this program and these words are coming to me is another one of those situations of, hey, don't doubt what's happening here. These things are happening for a reason. So pay attention to that and, you know, take with what you can of the things that you're learning. What's interesting is I had a conversation with my therapist about it and about wanting to be able to express the creativity more and feed into myself there. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you talk to me about being creative all the time. Like you're, you do writing and you do the podcast. And I was like, oh, I didn't necessarily associate that with being creative though. And so it was interesting because like, I was realizing that I wasn't really being mindful of the things I already do that are classified there because they're not the things that like I view as what I want to do. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And so for me, that really played into how I looked at being mindful in my own life. And the next section we're going to go into is attention. But I'll let you introduce that, Jer. Yeah. So for attention top of this is very often a creative block manifests itself as an addition to fantasy. Rather than working or living the now, we spin our wheels and indulge in daydreams of could have, would have, should have. One of the great misconceptions about the artist's life is that it entails great swaths of aimlessness. The truth is that a creative life involves great swaths of attention. Attention is a way to connect and survive. And I thought that was really interesting. To read that as well, I think that what we we're talking about before of being protective of the things that you want to show or want to share, I think part of that is, is that kind of attention of showing what it is that you're capable of doing and where you are starting from to where you're going and constantly showing that off in order to have that attention or showing the details of things that have gone through time. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting to to read this particular section. This section really dives into basically the essentials of mindfulness and staying present in the moment. And I have highlighted here the precise moment I was in was always the only safe place for me 
and the exact now we are all always all right. Yesterday the marriage may have ended, tomorrow the cat may die. The phone call from the lover for all my waiting may never come, but just at the moment, just now, that's all right. And that's really mirrored my work in therapy of reconnecting to the present time and allowing yourself to indulge in whatever it may be in the present time. And that's really connecting for me to what I want to do with my creativity and not thinking so far in advance to the outcomes or what I have to do with things or what I need to do just in general as chores and allowing myself to enjoy the right now. At the end of the section, she goes into the rules of the road, which are basically some things to be mindful of. And while, of course, we don't read all of them because we encourage you to go through the artist's way yourself, even if it's just going through the week that you listen to and think is interesting. Which two stood out the most to you, JR? I had a couple highlighted here, actually. A couple that I like the most. Number one, show up at the page, use the page to rest, to dream, to try. I think that kind of resonated with me for this week, especially with the morning pages, even though you couldn't do it for all seven days. The fact that you showed up to the page and were able to do something on there is everything. And set small and gentle goals and meet them. I think that for me, I have really big ideas, really big visions, and it's hard to tame them because it's so grand that really at the core of it is if you just set small goals and complete them, you feel one, so much better about yourself for achieving something, but two, they're just stepping stones to where it is that you want to go. And I know we've talked about this in a previous season too, but yeah, it's important for you to enjoy those moments because like you were saying, you know, everything's going to be all right. Things are going to happen throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your year, but try to stay as present as you can. And with that, having those small goals to obtain, it will just be much better for you. So the two that stood out to me the most was remember that it is far harder and more painful to be a blocked artist than it is to do the work. And for that, I was like, is it? She's saying, and for me, I'm like, if that's true and I want it to be, then what's holding me back? And to read that it's harder to block, like block what we are meant to do than to just do it is inspiring to me. The other one I liked was choose companions who encourage me to do the work, not just talk about doing the work or why I'm not doing the work. Because I think that kind of speaks to the people that are still blocked and why we aren't supposed to share these things because they'll always have their opinions. And I've even had people in the past ask like, oh, what happened to this? Like, why haven't I heard about this? Or why haven't you done it like this? And so I think just reminding myself to surround myself with people who are encouraging is really going to be instrumental as we go through the remainder of the 10 weeks. And that brings us to the tasks for the week. Ayla, what did you end up picking for this week? I didn't do all of them, but I almost did. I think this week it was, I liked the task this week more. I thought it was more connective, but I do think it is harder to do things that require you to resolve trauma than it is to do the task this week, which was a lot about learning about where you're at and where you would like to be. So 
I did do the list 20 things you enjoyed doing. When was the last time you let yourself do these things? Next to each entry, place a date. So I did list the 20 things and it was interesting to see how long it's been since I have done some things. And um, she mentions how these are good. This list is a good resource for artist dates. And so it's nice to have that because if I am in a place that I'm stuck, I can just go to that list and work from there. That's smart. Yeah, I also did the return to the list of imaginary lives from last week. And so I did add five more. And it was interesting because through the imaginary lives, you're almost learning about like parts of you that are interested in things, but don't want to quite dedicate your life towards it. And I'm learning that you don't have to dedicate your life to something to still enjoy doing it. And so for me, as I expanded on that list to have 10 things, it was really interesting for me to see what came out of that. And this week I added poet. I also said a food critic because I think that would be really fun. Okay, I like that. Yeah, but it could speak to like how I could implement those things in my life without, I don't actually have to become a food critic to write Yelp reviews or to just enjoy going to new places and talking about it. So I thought that was really cool. I also did the 10 tiny changes list, 10 changes you'd like to make for yourself. So I did the 10 lists and I actually did two from the list, which was really nice. Nice. Then. Lastly, I did the life pie, which is draw a circle, divide it into six pieces of pie, label one piece spirituality, another exercise, another play, and so on with work, friends, and romance, adventure, place a dot in each slice at the degree to which you feel filled in this area. And so I liked that again because it was simple and it let me know where I was at right now. And I want to do it again at the end of the 12 weeks to see if it's changed. Funny you bring that up. I also did the life pie chart and... I think it was more like you were mentioning how it's more trying to understand what your trauma is and, and things that you need to work on for yourself internally. That pie, like the light pie was really interesting to see because so basically what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to connect the dots between each and to see which ones are lopsided. And the two stuck out were spirituality and romance slash adventure. And I think that for me was more of a realization of the things that I could be working on. I know that I mentioned at the beginning of the program that it would be interesting to see our difference when it comes to spirituality, since I'm a person who doesn't believe. But I think it's more so me understanding that doesn't mean that I don't need to understand it or that I don't need to learn it. I think that opening up my mind to other facets of not just spirituality, but to religion as well, can be beneficial for my growth. So I think going through that allowed me to open my mind a little bit more. Same thing with romance and adventure. I've been single for many years. It's another one of those times for me to understand more why that is. And I think as we're going through the 12-week program, I think the more I'm starting to realize about myself and the things I need to work on, not only to be creative, but to be a human being. So I think that exercise was really good for me to see that on paper and to see what I need to work on. I also did the 10 tiny things. I did highlight, I would like to spring clean my closet. Has that been done yet? Not necessarily, but hey, we still got today to do that. (laughs) But it was cool to write all that stuff out to see what it is that I want to do. I don't think that we give ourselves enough time to to write out a list like this. I think we have it in our head and as the days go on, those things leave and or focus on other stuff. It's nice to have this on the list to go back. And once this one thing that I highlight is completed, I can look at it and say, oh, I want to do this next 
or yeah. I want to do that in a week or whatever. At least I have that written down. So I'm very thankful that was given to me. What I enjoyed about the activity is just seeing what's on my mind as small goals. And it's cool to practice setting small goals like that because it reminds you that you can just do little things and it doesn't have to be some extravagant kind of thing. One of them was to buy flowers for my grandma just because. And so I brought them over to her and was oh, like, that's hey, awesome. Yeah. And she was like, oh, my gosh, why? did Why? And I was like, oh, just because I was thinking of you. Just um, Yeah. So it was nice to connect to myself of the kind of person I want to be and the things that I would like to fill my life with and then to actually be able to do it as well. That's beautiful. I love that. And I feel like that list and some of the things that we do for our tasks kind of play in with that the exercise of morning pages of just being able to write things out get, gets us to be more comfortable with answering these questions, doing long form explanations of the things that we're experiencing. It's all really cohesive with one another and definitely encouraging those who are listening to, to keep it up. Definitely. Any final thoughts as we end the episode, JR? I think that we both learned a lot about one another and I just, I've just been enjoying what's been happening as of late. It might not be consistent. We try to do the best that we can with it, but the learning that comes out of these weeks so far has definitely been transformative. And I can't say that enough just for myself and I see it within you too, that I'm excited to see where week three and recovering a sense of power is going to bring up for us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And as JR said, that's the little sneak peek at next week. I'm shocked that we're already going into week three. We're almost going to be a fourth of the way done. I know. So I'm like, wow, time goes by so fast. And it speaks volumes to the sense of at any time you can start and make that change for yourself. And that's what I really love about this program. I hope everybody enjoyed week two of The Artist Way. We would love to really hear where you're at with your journey with this and to see how things are going as well. So definitely reach out to us. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to read it on the show as well. So let's try to make it a little bit more interactive for everyone. And you can do that by DMing JR, emailing us, leaving us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Again, just let us know where you're at in the process, how you're approaching it and what these weeks mean to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. That way we can continue to reduce more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.